was just about to go right into my case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a mistake. Get a little excited. I yeah. understand. Just start reading. It's reading time, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Where Am I the Podcast. This is episode five. I am Amy. And I'm Jordan. Um, let's speed it up. Let's go over some speed bumps. I feel like rates. we just need to buckle in. Buckle in because we're going to take Cameron Fry's dad's Ferrari out for a spin. And then we're going to kick the Ferrari out of the garage. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I think I am, but I guess only time will tell. Okay. Let's go. This is the case of Relisha Rudd. Okay. Relisha Rudd was born on October 29th, 2005 in Washington. Um, State? No, D.C. Okay. It's not very long, but it is definitely mind-boggling. Okay. Um, And it makes me fucking angry. Oh, is it not very long because there's just not a whole lot of info Uh like we've been talking about? Uh Uh-huh. I need more info, people. I know. In 2014, Rudd was living with her mother, Shamika, Shamika Young, at the general shelter. Khalil Tatum was a 51-year-old janitor at the shelter and had a felony record for burglary, larceny, and breaking and entering. So she is eight at this time. Uh Uh-huh. She's eight, and a 51-year-old man befriended her while living at a homeless shelter. Oh. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm okay. Yep. I'm not going to say nothing. Uh-huh. Continue. Uh, Tatum was in prison from 1993 to 2003 and again from 2004 to 2011. He was hired as a shelter janitor by the Community Partnership for the Prevention of Homelessness, a contractor which operated the general shelter and reportedly other city homeless programs. Tatum was known for inappropriately fraternizing with shelter residents and for paying particular attention to young girls. Nope. I know. A red f- I mean, on, like... I mean, not like her mom would know that, just walking right. into the shelter, but nope. But if you're a mom of an 8-year-old girl and a 51-year-old man's like, hey... I guess it depends on the type of interest. I mean, I'm not going to say that every 51-year-old man is a pedophile. No, for sure. But... For sure, but it's like, I think you can tell. Like, I think you can just, by the way they interact with the child, you can probably tell. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have children, and I don't make a point of watching pedophiles interact with people. Right. So I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know, but I'm just saying, like, I think you can tell the t- type of attention that would be inappropriate. Yeah. Or you should be able to. This apparently didn't make her mom feel uncomfortable. Okay. Um, I'll go into this theory later because there's... Yeah, I I was going to say it definitely is going to be, you know, the parents call. Yeah. And Reddit's got plenty of theories. Oh, boy. Um, uh Uh-huh. Good old Reddit. Mm Mm-hmm. So Tatum befriended uh, her mom, uh, Shamika... And then he bought Relisha uh, a tablet computer and took her to see Disney on Ice. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Can I just interject here? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, working as a janitor at the shelter, mm-hmm. where did he get the money to buy a tablet? And why would he think that a girl, an eight-year-old girl living at a homeless shelter... Would need one. Yeah. I get the Disney on ice a little yeah, bit. Cause, yeah, because who Cause wouldn't? That, I mean, that's an eight-year-old girl. That's something they'd be interested in. But one, you're 51, so a little weird. Mm-hmm. And two, where are you getting all this money? You're a felon and a janitor. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same. Go on. 
Eventually, Shamika allowed Khalil Tatum to take the girl away overnight, allegedly <gasps> to stay with him and his grandmother. He's 51? Wait, what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Grand- grandmother. With his grandmother, yes. His grandmother. And him. Yes. So already, um, there's so many red flags, that's all I see is red. I'm not saying he couldn't have his grandmother, because some people live really old. I mean, he's only 51, so yeah. I guess. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just I really want to give this guy... I am not the one to give the people benefit of the doubt. You totally know that. I am not one that no. is the trusting person. That is not your angle. I am... De- so I'm trying and I'm really struggling and I'm just trying not to be judgmental because I definitely don't want to be that type of person either. Right. But because a 51-year-old is going to take your 8-year-old to stay the night with him with his grandmother? Mm-hmm. Okay. I Oh. Mm-hmm. I just... It's bad. I'm going to stop before. Okay, go on. Mm-hmm. So, Relisha suddenly stopped attending school in February, but her mother provided a note saying she was having health problems and was in the care of Dr. Tatum. Is she in the care of Mr. Tatum? Like, what? what Dr. Tatum. Is he a doctor? Nope. He, yeah, that's why I'm... Uh, what? Nope, not for one but second. Why, I, I don't understand why she's not going to school. The school contacted Tatum at the number provided, but when he failed to show up for a meeting with them, a counselor contacted the police to report Relisha missing. The Metropolitan Police Department of the District of Columbia launched a missing persons probe on March 19th, by which point Rudd had not been in school for a month. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So the school reports her missing, and her mom tells the school that she's staying with a Dr. Tatum because she has medical problems, and her daughter is missing during this time? Yeah, I don't want to say it's reminiscent of Casey Anthony. Because it's like... How with, old is her mom? I don't fucking know. I, I have this... The, I'm almost, like, done with this thing. Like, I have a few theories from Reddit. I am... And a few more things to say, but, like... We're only, like, what, ten minutes into this? And I'm already, like... My head is spinning right now. I don't understand. What? Yeah. So, it, the way it reminds me of Casey Anthony is that, you know, she didn't report Kaylee missing for, right. like, what, two weeks to a month because she was, like, the babysitter has her, the babysitter has her. And, you know, she doesn't know where the babysitter lives, and all of a sudden they go to her work, and she doesn't work there anymore at Universal. Like, it's just, like, random, like, bullshit distractions of just untruths. Excuses. Yeah. And I'm sure that, okay, yeah. Okay. So the Metropolitan Police filed missing persons report on March 19th. The investigation revealed that Tatum and Rudd had been caught on camera walking down a hallway in a Holiday Inn Express in Northeast Washington, D.C. on February 26th, and footage on March 1st showed her walking with Tatum to a room in a day's inn on New York Avenue in D.C., the March 1st footage proved to be the last proof that Rudd was still alive. On the same day that Rudd was reported missing, Tatum's wife was found shot in the head in a motel in Prince George's County, Maryland. Tatum was last seen March 2nd, the day after Rudd was last seen, while buying 42-gallon trash bags. On March 31st, Tatum's body was found in a shed in Kenilworth Park, dead of an apparent suicide. Hold on. Mm-hmm. So... His wife is killed. Yes. 
Presumably by him. Yes. It, I mean, if the boot fits. Yes. And then he's found dead? Yeah, March 31st in a fucking shed in the park, which is like, first off, like the creepiest, saddest thing. So, so the little girl was last seen with him? March, uh, March 1st. And then he's last seen March 2nd. His body's found... March 31st. March 31st, so, like, almost a month later. Mm-hmm. Did it say how long he'd been dead for? Mm-mm. Okay. No. And so he's caught, like, on camera buying gallon-sized trash bags. After his wife? Yes. Okay. Um. Oh, sorry. Before his wife. Okay. So... I mean, is it weird, though, if you buy trash bags? I mean, when there's a little girl missing involved, and then your wife comes up dead, I feel like everything is sus. Why would you kill your wife? So, the theories on Reddit um, is that... Okay, so him and his wife apparently were separated. Mm-hmm. And he lived in D.C., and she lived in Maryland. So, and he had to travel to kill his wife. Yeah. That's, I think, what I was reading is that they were not together, they were not living together, but then apparently he's in possession of this eight-year-old girl, and they either think that his wife knew that he had killed her, so she he killed her, or that his wife was like, he killed his wife because she, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I feel like all of it is fucking sus. And then... I'm just like, if you're separated from your wife, did they even talk? I don't know. Like, if you don't talk to your wife and she lives in another state... Like, she... I, don't, I have not even found her name. That's why I'm like, maybe if he did kill the little girl and he confessed to her and he knew that, one, they're separated, they're not even talking, so she's probably going to go to police... Right. And about then, what he did and then killed her? I mean, I could see that. That's totally the rational thinking of a killer... I know. But I'm just like, if she lives state, like, not even in the same state, and is not involved at all. Like, why go after her? Right. There has to be, ugh. And then you have to go and kill yourself. I hate it when they do that. I know. Not only am I not an advocate of suicide in any form or fashion, (laughs) but I really don't appreciate it when you're, like, the suspect of a crime, Mm -hmm. and then you kill yourself, and now we'll never know. Yeah, and... Uh, apparently her mom grew up, Relisha's mom, Shamika, grew up, like, super impoverished, like, you know, was one of those, like, labeled, like, troubled teens, and, like, eventually when she got to, like, a certain teenage years, nobody gave a shit about her, you know what I mean? And so it's just, like, that cycle of, I don't know what it is, just bullshit, like, of unfair, of people not taking the time to be an educator or a guidance counselor or... Somebody that gives a shit about somebody who's clearly going through something. Right. The Another theory is that she was either, um, like, while living in the shelter, she was either going into drugs or go, coming off of drugs and was like, hey, you've been so nice to her. You've given her everything like a good father figure would. Take, clearly take better her, for yeah, her than I am. Take her, be safe with her, whatever, I trust you. Oh. Like, Or it could have been, you know... I'm doing drugs, uh, take my daughter. I'm unfit. Yeah, and some people suggest that 
she may have sold her to him for drugs. Oh, oh, I hate that. I hate that when that, even when the theory comes up, I cannot yeah. handle it. And so another Reddit theory is that she either, like, was groomed by him. Like, the little girl? Yeah. And then if there is any hope that she is still alive, that she would have been, like, sexually exploited or like, human trafficked. And that's the only hope of her that that she would be alive. It does not sound like a very good alternative. It's definitely... No. I don't even know if that would be a better alternative to being dead. Yeah. Because if it were me, I do not know if I would prefer... I mean, I guess I can't say I would wish to be dead instead. I can't wish anybody dead, and I can't say that that would be better, but that would be really terrible alternative is if she was in sex trafficking. Yeah. Like, I almost think that, aside from murdering someone, that is one of the worst things that you can do to another human being. Mm -hmm. So the case of Relisha Rudd received little coverage outside of the Washington, D.C. area, leading to criticism that her case receives little attention due to her marginalization as a person of color and from an impoverished family. But to go back on her mom, her mom, I think her her dad or her stepdad appeared on, like, the Steve Wilkos show. <gasps> Steve Wilkos. Yeah. And apparently, like, again, the people of Reddit were, like, super sketched out by what they saw of her on there. So, and I couldn't Yeah, but Steve Wilkos is, like, one of those people who, like, will call you out. For sure. So, so did he not... I, don't I mean, think I know so. he did, but did he not get anything out of her? I don't think so. I think, I mean, I don't know if she said it on the show, but I was reading that she's like, I'm refusing to take a lie detector test, and, and which I mean, they're inadmissible. If in you have nothing to hide, then what does it matter? Right. I mean, they're inadmissible in court, anyways. So yeah, but still, right. I like, guess they're at this point. It's just like tradition to make police feel better since they're not admissible in court. Right. Um, and I couldn't find any information on like where to send if you have any tips or details or anything like that. I guess the police department that's investigating. But yeah, I just heard up said just call the FBI. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> just start, just hi FBI. I have a tip. Yes, I'd like um, to report this. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, they'll listen to you right away. Um, we'll definitely try to find something for our Instagram and Facebook to see if we can. Yeah, because she, I, I found her on the FBI's, like, missing persons list. Okay, well, then so, they'll definitely yeah, just, be it's, able to. It's FBI at gmail.com. Is it really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, wow, what a generic <laughs> thing like, to how have. Do they even, okay. How do they even get that? Right? I'm like, I should have thought of that. Okay, <laughs> so that is the unfortunate case and very short case of Relisha Rudd. Wow. Makes me sad, sick, and fucking mad. Wow. Mm-hmm. Eight-year-old girl just vanishes. Her mom's like, oh, oh, yeah, right. She's oh, not here. Yeah, about my kid. Yeah, I gave her to that guy. That doctor? Dr. The- Tatum, you ever heard of him? Right. And now he's dead, and my daughter is still not here? Huh. Weird. Where, where's his grandmother? Yeah. Oh, good call. Good fucking call. You fucking blew my mind with that shit just now. Blew my mind. That would have been the first thing she I said, would be where's like, where's his, his grandmother at? Does she have the a baby? fuck is your grandma at? I'm ready for your case, by the way. Ready, 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 Freddy. Okay. And I'm ready to be bummed out again. Oh, I, I love I, the back page. It just says, 
my theories. Yeah, right? This one's, oh my god, I'm ready. Some gonna... of these cases, I just kind of like, okay, this is what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. But, oh boy. I got a couple, I've got some cases here that I'm just like, I don't even know what to even think. And this is definitely one of them. I think I have an idea, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Okay. So, my case is on Leah Roberts. Never heard of her. I'm, I'm, well, you're about to. I hope we find out what happens to her. We're going to go inside all of the rabbit holes. Yes. We're just going to straight Alice in Wonderland it. So, Leah Roberts went missing March 13th, 2000. Oh. Yep. I was just but a nine-year-old. I was not a nine-year-old. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. She was in diapers. Just kidding. I was not. <laughs> no, how old were you? What? You were what? Seven. Okay, yeah. Not a bad place to be. Wait, were you seven? I thought you'd be no, six. No, I'd be eight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, between the ages of, what? of four and, and eight. What is math? Who knows? Anyways, Leah Roberts was born July 23rd, 1976. She has two older siblings, Kara and Heath. Her and her family live in Durham, North Carolina. When Leah was 17, the family was devastated when Leah's father was diagnosed with chronic lung cancer. Her father's illness was very stressful for the family to handle and made Leah's transition to college very difficult. Three years later, while still dealing with the struggles of her father's illness and a college workload, Leah's mother suddenly passed away from heart disease. No. Yes. Fuck. They came. They were looking at the right and it came from the left. Yep. Yeah. They didn't see it coming because they were just, you know, her dad is cancer and it was all focus on her dad. Mm -hmm. And then they were totally blindsided by her mother's death. Oof. Like. I mean, heart disease is like a silent killer. You don't even know. Yeah. So, the passing of Leah's mom was hard enough that she took a break from school. Eventually, she did decide to go back in the fall of 1998. However, not long after she returned to school, she was involved in a very serious car accident, which led her to being hospitalized after receiving a punctured lung and a broken femur, which had to be repaired with a metal rod being put in her leg. Yikes. What the fuck? Yes. What? Do we know more about that car accident? No. Oh, shit. Yeah, it just says it was a car accident. She had to be hospitalized and that she ended up with metal rod in her leg. But Leah viewed the accident as a near-death experience, which I think I probably would have, too. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Yeah. You break my femur? That's a near-death And experience. punctured the lung. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about the lung altogether. Yep. I'm like, femur? She shared with her sister, Kara, that when she saw the truck pull out in front of her, that she was sure she was going to die. So she viewed her recovery process as, like, a representation of a born-again experience. Mm-hmm. So after the accident, she had, a like, a... I guess like a stronger will to live kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like you're going to live life to the fullest yeah. sort of attitude. Obviously, she was recovering from her accident, so she put school on hold again. Mm-hmm. In 1999, Leah planned on going on a trip to Costa Rica. Three weeks before she was supposed to leave on her trip, her father died. Are you fucking kidding me? No. This girl has seen it all almost. Like, both her parents die, 
She gets into a serious car accident. It's just like up and down, up and down, up and down in a matter of like a few years. Yeah, that's too much. That's yeah. too much for anybody. Right. Not Especially everybody, but... being but, so young. Yeah, how old was she? Was, that was 99? She was what? born in 76. Um, yeah, so she would have been 22-ish. 20, yeah, 22. 22, 23? Depending on when... When her, her birthday was. March, or July. Her oh, July birthday. was her birthday? Then. Yeah, it didn't say It didn't say when her dad died, like when during the year. If you're screaming at the answer to us, chances are we still don't know it, so keep screaming. <laughs> but you can scream at us through Facebook or yes. Twitter. <laughs> yes, through any one of our handles. Leah decided to go on her trip anyway, though, to Costa Rica. Even she after her like, dad, you know she's like, I, I got to get out of here. Yeah. I got to get out let of here. Go. It was Costa Rica. Yes. She said, let me go be free. She gave her sister power of attorney over her bank accounts where the money she inherited from her parents' deaths was capped before she went on her trip. Okay. So essentially, a, a, well, just in case anything happens to me, yeah. someone has access to all my stuff. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Yeah. Six months before Leah was set to graduate from college, she dropped out. What? Why? Poor thing. <laughs> yeah. Kara and Leah's brother Heath continuously tried to convince Leah to finish school, but she wouldn't budge. She just was she not was, going back. She was like, fucking clearly I'm not meant to go. Right. She's like, Listen. I think she just had this attitude that there was more to life than just going to school and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And she wanted to... Again, live life to the fullest, so... And she's like, fuck it, school ain't on that list, clearly. No. Bye. No. But while she did attend school, she learned other hobbies that she enjoyed, like playing guitar and photography. So after she dropped out, uh, Leah's life mostly consisted of hanging out in local coffee shops, writing poetry uh, in her journal, and making new friends. Hey, what up? Right? Doing I'm, the damn thing. It sounds nice to me. I mean, okay. Ugh. I wish I could do that. One of the new friends she made, Janine Quiller, really got close to Leah quickly. Um, Leah was a huge Jack Kerouac fan, mm-hmm. as was Janine. The two often spent many conversations exploring what a life like Jack Kerouac's would be like. Like off the grid. Yeah. Ex- I mean, I get it. I read Into the Wild. I saw Into the Wild. I listened to Into the Wild. Oh, yeah? I get it. Gotta yeah. live off the grid. Gotta find your own happiness out there. My husband's one of those people. blah 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 Whatever. He's definitely one of those people. Like, at this point, we have this thing called find my friends. Fucking use it. <laughs> Fucking track. Everybody turn it on and track everybody. I mean, at the very least, if you have a parent, just let one parent have the location. Right. For fuck, your sister at the very least. I mean, I mean it's 2000, so the, uh, 99, so that didn't happen. But right. anyways, Kerouac, sorry. They both <laughs> loved him. Leah confided in Janine that she would love to hit the open road, head west, and live that life in the mountains. Hey, you know what? I think about that a lot. That sounds fucking awesome. I'm not going to tell you how many times I've thought about, like, go exploring a forest. Like, go to Seattle. Go to Montana. Like, yep. that sounds fucking enticing. Am I going to do it? I have no plans as of yet. But it's nice to think about. Oh, it sure is. And you and know it's what? nice to talk about. For sure. And would anybody go with me? Fuck no. no well, that kind of... I don't know. I think that's like a, a self-searching kind of moment. Leah's roommate, Nicole Bennett, was also aware of Leah's desire to travel west. Mm-hmm. So there were people who knew that, you know, she was a huge Jack Kerouac fan. 
this was like I guess maybe a dream of hers or yeah, and she wants know, to manifest life destiny. goals. Yeah. So where is she from? Where is this at? North Carolina. North Carolina. That's right. Okay. Yep. And she wants to fucking manifest destiny. This bitch. Yep. Okay. Like across the country. Mm-hmm. So March 9th, two thousand seemed like any other day to Leah's family and friends. Leah spoke with her sister Kara on the phone that morning. According to Kara, the conversation was normal, and Leah gave no indication that she had any immediate future plans. Kara also said she expected to see her sister in the near future. Later in the morning, Leah and her roommate Nicole made arrangements to babysit the following day. Nicole left their residence for work. She reports that when she arrived home after work, Leah's white Jeep Grand Cherokee was not there. This did not seem odd to Nicole since Leah was more prone to come and go at different times since she dropped out of school and did not need to have a job because she was living off of her parents' inheritance. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah, I would be too. Right? Sorry. Sorry, mom and dad. Sorry, mom and dad. Nothing about Leah's absence seemed out of the ordinary until Leah did not show up for her and Nicole's babysitting gig the next day. Oh, fuck. And until she did not return home at the end of the day. By March 11th, two days after anyone had last seen or heard from Leah, her absence was beginning to be noticed by other friends and family members who had not heard from her. On March 13th, so another two days later... Kara reported her sister missing to Durham police. Mm-hmm. On March 14th, Kara makes her way over to Leah's house and searches Leah's room with her roommate. No. Yep. That's not your job. You're not the police. Too bad. They did it anyway. Okay. They discover... Oh, shit. ...that a large amount of Leah's clothes are missing. What? They also notice that Leah's cat was missing as well. No. After searching a little longer, they find a note from Leah stating that she is not suicidal and mentioning Jack Kerouac. So, with the note, the two women found a decent amount of cash, which they assume was left behind to cover Leah's monthly part of the rent and other expenses while she was away. Mm-hmm. So, it seemed that while Leah packed up and left for an extended period of time, she did so with every intention of coming back. Yeah. Like, she left the money to pay for her part of all the expenses that month, and it was only, like, one month's amount. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the note, there's, like, a doodle of the Cheshire Cat smile and grin, and she said that she's not suicidal at all. She's the exact opposite. She's just going to live life, and she mentions Jack Kerouac again. Still a little concerned for her little sister, Kara decides to go to the bank and see if she can't track Leah's movements. Bank records show that Leah withdrew several thousand dollars in cash on March 9th and made a debit card purchase for a hotel room in Memphis, Tennessee. Over the past few days' worth of transactions, Kara could see the path Leah had taken west across the United States on Interstate 40. Once she reached California, she headed north on Interstate 5. Shortly after midnight on the morning of March 13th, Leah purchased gas and then all transactions on her account stopped. Still concerned about her little sister's actions, Kara and Leah's best friend Susie Smith head to the coffee shops Leah frequented to speak with some of her friends that she'd met there. Mm -hmm. During this search, Kara crossed paths with Janine Quiller. Janine told Kara about her and Leah's shared passion for Jack Kerouac particularly the story in which Jack works in the mountains in Washington State. 
In this book, Jack talks about the beauty of the mountains, and Leah told Janine she really would like to go and see the mountains for herself. This information made Kara feel a little bit better since she now felt like she knew where Leah was heading and why. Kara did not start to worry about Leah again until March 18th, which is Kara's birthday. Mm-hmm. Kara expected a birthday call from her sister, but it never came. Instead of a call, Kara received a note from the local police department stating she needed to contact police in Bellingham, Washington. (gasps) After making contact, the Bellingham police explained that Leah's Jeep has been found in a remote part of the forest, but there was no sign of Leah. What? (laughs) Poor baby. According to reports, a couple of joggers were doing their morning jog on a side road mostly used by loggers and residences of that part of the forest. On their jog, they noticed articles of clothing along the side of the road. The couple reported that some of the clothing looked tied to the trees. After some exploration around the area where the clothing was found, the couples discovered a jeep severely damaged Mm. at the bottom of a steep embankment. What? Yeah. Okay, so first off, this goes from North Carolina. Does she go hiking? Do we know any of this at all? No. Because my thing is, is that if you're about to go fucking hiking and go Jack Kerouac on everybody. Yeah, you should know how to deal with the fucking... Elements. With directions, with using a compass, instincts. You should have at least been a Girl Scout. A bit bare minimum, or at least have taken one a brownie. training. Anything. Right. A, a bluebird. Based on the amount of damage done to the Jeep and surrounding trees, investigators were able to estimate that the Jeep was traveling about 40 miles per hour when it went off the road. What? The state of the items in the Jeep told the investigators that the car had rolled multiple times. No, the cat. Police searched the Jeep for a stretched-out seatbelt, a shattered windshield, blood, and other clues that might indicate that a person had been in the vehicle when it crashed. However, they found no such evidence. That's bullshit. Since the vehicle appeared to have no occupant at the time of the crash, investigators are led to believe this crash was either staged or planned in some way. Oddly, the windows of the Jeep had been covered with pillows and blankets, which gave the appearance that the Jeep had been used as a shelter after the crash. Inside the Jeep and in the trees around it, police found a large assortment of Leah's belongings, including clothing, CDs, her passport, checkbook, driver's license, guitar, and other items. What the fuck? Cat food and a cat carrier were also found at the crash site, but Leah's cat has never been found. No. Along with all of these items, law enforcement also found about $2,500 worth of cash and jewelry. This told police that whatever happened, robbery was not a motive. Nope, sure wasn't. Leah's brother, Heath, and her sister, Kara, flew to Bellingham to assist investigators in the search for their sister. The search, they searched the crash site, passed out flyers, and visited local businesses where Leah might have gone. Amongst her belongings, a movie ticket stub for the afternoon of March 13th was discovered. This provided a more clear timeline of Leah's movements before her disappearance. After investigating a little further, police learned that Leah had eaten at a local restaurant not far from the movie theater. The search for witnesses was narrowed down to two men who sat on either side of Leah at the restaurant. Both men remembered Leah and provided information about her interest in Jack Kerouac. I'm sorry, they what? Yeah, they both knew that she was into Jack Kerouac. They both 
mentioned how she was really excited for her trip and how she was doing the Jack Kerouac life and all of that. So that's how police knew that these were like men who actually had spoken to her because of the Jack Kerouac detail. One of the men stated that Leah left with a third man, Leah called Barry. He even provided police with a sketch of Barry. Oh. However, neither the other man sitting next to Leah nor the staff at the restaurant remember a third man. Liar. <laughs> More investigation into the contents of Leah's vehicle led investigators to believe Leah may have been the victim of a crime. The first clue was the amount of money found in Leah's pants pockets in the Jeep. This suggested that Leah did not spend much time in Bellingham because she didn't use much of the money that she had. Yeah. The other item discovered, which concerned investigators, was Leah's mother's engagement ring. According to family and friends, Leah would never have voluntarily taken this ring off. She treasured this ring because she felt it provided her with a connection to her deceased mother. Those close to Leah state the only way Leah would ever take off that ring is if she forgot who she was. Or, I guess, forced. Mm Mm-hmm. After being there for four days, Kara and Heath had to return to North Carolina. However, police continued to search the area around the Jeep for Leah. One theory was that Leah was injured during the crash and wandered off. Police brought in search dogs and helicopters to search the surrounding area for two weeks, but nothing was ever found. To get a sense of her state of mind before the disappearance, law enforcement traced Leah's path back to the gas station where she filled up on the morning of March 13th, right before she entered Bellingham. Video surveillance footage show Leah by herself and she appears to be fine. The only thing on the video that interested police was while the cashier was ringing Leah up, she keeps peering out the store window. However, the gas station did not have any cameras outside, so police are unsure what had caught Leah's attention. Maybe it was her cat. Maybe. She kept, like, I saw the video Mm -hmm. surveillance. She just kept taking a step back and just kind of stretching to look out the window. It it didn't look weird, but, you know, now that she's missing, it does. Right, but But if if it was anybody weird outside and she's being very nonchalant about it, like... Um, police consider that the Barry, the witness from the restaurant claimed Leah left with, could have been with Leah, and that's what she kept looking at. However, police do not believe that Barry was traveling in Leah's car. So, I'm thinking that this guy made up this third guy, Barry, as himself. Yeah. I mean, I've been wrong before. We all have. I'm not afraid to be wrong now. So, the only possible sighting of Leah deemed credible came a few days after Leah's Jeep was discovered. A man called claiming that his wife saw Leah wandering around a gas station in Everett, which is close to Seattle. Mm -hmm. The man's wife claimed that Leah looked confused and disoriented. The man seemed to be in a rush while on the phone and hung up without identifying himself. Police believe this may have been the last official sighting of Leah, but they are a little suspicious since the man hung up so quickly. Mm -hmm. After this sighting, no other sightings of Leah were considered to be credible, and Leah's case eventually goes cold. Back in North Carolina, Leah's sister Kara sought the help of a woman who specializes in helping families find their missing loved ones after the case goes cold. Monica Kaysen. Kaysen works closely with Community United Effort to help keep cases of missing people in the media's attention. 
On the fourth anniversary of Leah's disappearance, Kaysen organizes a caravan to travel across the United States along the same route Leah took in order to raise awareness along the way about Leah's case and missing people in general. Since 2005, when the caravan started, it has become an annual event. Eventually, the police contacted Kara in regards to Leah's Jeep. Kara asked police to keep the car just in case more evidence could be gathered at a later date. Kara claims that she has seen cases where more evidence was found in a car years later that would be helpful in solving the case. Mm -hmm. So she wanted him to keep it just in, just in case. The fact that Kara asked police to keep the car would be helpful to two new investigators who took over the case after it was passed to them by the original investigator in 2006. Yes. After looking into Leah's case, the two new investigators realized that the contents of Leah's Jeep had not been completely processed into evidence. Whoa, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. So they, I think they still had it, but they never, like, tagged it, analyzed it, Locked all it. of that. Yeah. That was one of the first things they did for Leah's case. Next, they took a fresh look at the Jeep itself. In the almost seven years it had been sitting in the police's possession, the two investigators noticed that no one had ever looked under the hood of the car. What? Right. Wouldn't you just, like, search every inch of it? Right. Every inch of it? I mean, they didn't, like, book all of her stuff into evidence, so I guess maybe they didn't thoroughly search the car? I don't know. Yeah. To their surprise, after looking under the hood, they discovered that the wire to the starter relay had been cut. When a starter relay wire in a car is cut, it allows the car to accelerate without anyone being in the vehicle. It allows the car to start without anyone? Accelerate. Oh, to accelerate. Yes. That's what the report said, but after doing research and reading other people's, like, opinions and thoughts on the case, some people are like, that's not what that does. And... I looked into the research, like, I literally Googled what would happen or what does this do, mm -hmm. and I didn't find anywhere where it said if you cut it that the car accelerates by itself. Okay. So. So, if you know this, anybody listening out there, please let us know because I don't speak car. Right. I considered asking my husband, but I forgot. Oh, hey. We can hopefully take a break after this and go ask him. Right. We're both going to take up smoking after this. Just kidding, I already smoked. <laughs> uh, huh. So anyways, they thought that the car could accelerate without anyone being in the vehicle because this wire was cut. Mm -hmm. So this would confirm law enforcement's suspicion that no one was in the vehicle when it went over the embankment, meaning the car had been wrecked on purpose. Okay, but then why would she make it? Okay, anyways. I was going to ask, like, if, like... It looked like there was, like, blankets and pillows and shit covering the windows. Would she have just done that and just let the fucking car roll out? No idea. Right. Yeah, there... If you, like... Obviously, there are plenty of people on Reddit and web sleuths and stuff. And there are so many theories as to why someone would cut the wire. Because one person's like, why would you even do that? Because you know police are going to look under there and they're going to see that it's been cut. So you're just... If you're trying to make it look like an accident... You clearly just defeated the purpose because you just tampered with the vehicle. So yeah. there's all kinds of stuff out there, but I mean, no answers really, just all speculation. Further investigation under the hood found a foreign fingerprint. Whoa! Yep. 
After Leah's belongings were placed into evidence and analyzed, male DNA was found on one of Leah's articles of clothing. No shit. Yep. Do you know whose it is? You're going to tell me? We'll get to it. Okay. This new evidence brought the investigation back to the man who claimed Leah left with Barry. This man worked as a mechanic and had a background in the military. What did I fucking say? Don't trust that guy. No, if you know someone who's like, oh, it was this random guy that came in, number three, sounds a lot like somebody I know, because it's fucking you. Right? And then everyone else is like, number three, I don't know. I didn't see anybody. I just saw one and two. What the hell? Yeah. Who's this guy talking about? Himself. Right. Sorry, go on. During the years of investigation into Leah's case, the man had moved to Canada. Oh, of course. This made... his ass, Canada. <laughs> Kick his ass out. This <laughs> made gathering DNA and fingerprints from him a longer and more difficult process. Go to his last known address. Right. Fucking fingerprint the shit out of that place. Well, from what I can find, I guess they're still waiting on DNA Are evidence. Are you kidding me? I could not Sorry. find an update on that at all. It's not your fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> But the fingerprint did not match, which isn't to say that, you know, her car broke down and she went to a mechanic and that's where the fingerprint came from. I mean, I guess. I I mean, I'm not right. The DNA evidence is what I'm most interested in. And the fact that this guy was a mechanic and it's like, oh, I know this guy named Barry. Right. Bitch. No, you fucking don't. (laughs) You are Barry. You are Barry. You dummy. Yeah, the fact that I could not find anywhere where they had any update on the DNA evidence, I'm just like... And the, I just, why aren't they pushing for it? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they might. They could, they very well could be, and they're just like... Right. I just... I don't know how it works. Just kick his across, ass across countries. Across state line. I'm, I'm acting like he lives right above Washington. Yep. He probably don't. He probably lives in fucking Newfoundland over there. Where, wherever. Wherever. He went he went up and then straight to the right. He backwards manifest destiny in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Barry. While waiting, investigators continue to search for new evidence which might break the case. They have also searched the area around Leah's car with cadaver dogs and metal detectors hoping to hit on the metal part of Leah's leg. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that leg. Yep. No, they never found anything. So, here are some of my theories. Now, these are my theories. It says so on her page that I saw when we started. Yes, it is, quote, my theories. So, they come from me and no one else. Mm -hmm. I am not really sure how much I believe the theory theory that Leah wandered off after crashing her car. Because there is a theory going around that she crashed her car. She was living in it. She hit her head. She didn't, like... Didn't remember anything, and she was disoriented, and she wandered off into the woods. Mm -hmm. But, like with so many other of these cases where people get lost in the woods, there was no body. And, I don't know, I just don't... Whenever they searched the car initially at the crash site, there was no evidence that there was no blood. I mean, that car rolled three times. You're going to have some evidence that there was a person in the car. Like, that's... They look for certain signs, like the stretched out seatbelt and things like that, that are telltale signs that someone was in the car when when it crashed, crashed, but they did not find anything. 
And I've seen a picture of that Jeep, and it was pretty damaged. There was crap all over that forest whenever they looked at it. So I'm just like, there's... I have a hard time believing someone would have just walked away from that without a scratch. Yeah. And nothing to show for it. Since evidence has been found showing that Leah's car was tampered with in a manner that would make the car able to essentially drive itself off the edge of the road, I don't think she was in the car when it crashed. Like, if someone is cutting wires under your car, even if it doesn't make the car accelerate or if it does, whatever, but if you're tampering with the vehicle, I don't know. Like, if you're trying to make it look like an accident, you're not going to do a very good job if there's not a body in the car. Also, if there's, like, a clean cut of of scissor lines. Like, oh, look at these two wires in my hands. Right, they clearly did not tear apart, fray, you know, disintegrate, none of that. There's a clean cut, so... Right, nobody beat something with, like, a wrench or something to make it look all wonky and, like, Mm -hmm. oh, this part's damaged, how strange, like... Right, so I'm just like, I just don't, you know... I don't know. I mean, another theory is that she was injured she wandered off away from the crash and she was picked up and she was killed after she was picked up oh no shit there's also another theory that she wandered off after having a head injury from the crash and she's alive but doesn't remember who she is no not amnesia yeah so i'm like i don't know again there was no evidence at all that someone was in the car when it crashed so i'm just like i don't know I don't think she cut her own wire. I'm not sure who harmed Leah, but I think something sinister probably happened. My first instinct is that second man she met at the restaurant on March 13th. The one that claimed she left with Barry. Yeah, a.k.a. Barry. Right. No one else in the restaurant at the time could corroborate that story. No one else saw this alleged Barry. And you know what? I I will go out on a limb and say there's been things that I've seen that only I've seen even around a group of people. It's very... It happens. Yeah, but, but the it's other like, guy it, next to the her didn't remember him. So was she, like, sandwiched in between these two guys at the I, fucking bar? The way I imagine it was she was, like, sitting at the bar. Yeah. And, and eating, and one they were on either side of her. What, that's not a good look. Like... No, but if it's, like, packed or it's busy, and you're like, oh, all the seating is unavailable, but we have a bar seating. Yeah, and you know what? Listen... Have you seen Assassination Nation? No. Okay, well, not all guys. But, I mean, that's why I have a hard time with the Barry story, is because the other guy next to her remembered all of this stuff about her, her, you know, her excitement about her trip, her talking about Jack Kerouac, all of this stuff, but he doesn't recall her leaving with another man so who does he recall her leaving with he didn't i don't know they never said that either that's why i'm like so what did this guy say oh i don't know when she left did he leave before her is that why he doesn't remember but then again the staff that waited on her didn't remember her leaving with another man either which if the staff doesn't recall it that would make that would make me believe that she probably left on her own yeah no I'm just bothering. like, don't, don't make up people that you, if you're, if let's just for a minute, hypothetically pretend that mystery man number two did is make Barry. up. Is Barry. Yes. Let's just say he is Barry. He made this guy up or whatever. 
And he did do something to Leah. Why would you make up a character that no one else is going to remember? Just like if he did cut her car to make it look like an accident, did you not consider the fact that if you're trying to make it look like an accident, you're not going to do a very good job if there's no body in the car? Easy. Why anyone else? Well, I wouldn't say making up, but eyewitness testimony isn't all that reliable. Yeah. is It's not always reliable. I mean... There are instances where it does work, and it, it that's what puts things together in place for justice. Right. But I feel like he just... He won the dummy lottery picking a... Yeah. I mean, if you're going to make up a story like that... He a sketch to a... He yeah, a, he was able to describe the man to a sketch artist, which I think was actually released to the media. Oh, no. Um... And, I mean, obviously nothing ever came of it. Like, nobody knew this man. I I get the eyewitness testimony thing where, you know, it is not always reliable. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about several eyewitnesses who saw her in the restaurant, knew of her, things she was talking about. Yeah. Of, they, she, they knew about her plans and stuff and how, you know, See, she felt about it. But that's where I think that's fucked up at is that, you know, thank all these people for... being there and having this experience with her and like knowing her but like she couldn't even tell her family that to their face Mm. to me that's fucked up you have the balls to go out and do it but you can't say that to 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 your sister and your brother's face right and be like hey i'm taking off right like she spoke to her sister on the phone the morning that she took the cash out and left and actually like nothing was nothing was amiss Mm -hmm. like um because the withdrawal of the thousands of dollars and the check-in to a hotel room in Memphis, Tennessee all happened on the 9th when she had the last phone call with her sister. I don't mean to, like, shit. <clears throat> I don't mean to shit on Leah by any means. But for me, I couldn't pull that fucking move. I couldn't pull that at all. Like, But again, as I'm sure I've said on this podcast, I'm an oversharer where right. it's like my mom, my dad, my sister, my roommates, my other friend... I'll have my location. Yeah, but at the same time, though, Leah was probably trying to get into the mindset of, like, Jack Kerouac. And, you know, if you go off the grid, if you're telling everybody where you're going, you're not really going off the grid. But then she goes and tells all these strangers. She's already there, though. and Exactly. It may may feel good to talk about it with a complete stranger because she's so excited that she's actually there. She's actually doing it. But that kind of puts you at at a liability angle, though, because... That they know that you're there by yourself. Yeah. And if she talks about her family or lets it slip, like, no, my family doesn't know what I'm doing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like no boom. one knows I'm here. Boom. Who who are you anyway? Right. Target number one. Exactly. Like that's a mm-hmm. that puts yourself at a little bit of a risk. But what do I know? Um, and then another thing that a lot of people were kind of curious about is she made it. From North Carolina to Washington State, and it her like bank statements only show one check-in at a hotel in Memphis. Holy shit! Right. That's strange. Like, was if you Ad- do was it, Adderall invented back then? Right. If you do it like on maps, it's forty-four hours from where she lived to where she ended up. The only purchases after the one Memphis 
Tennessee hotel, the only stops were for like gas and food. Because she made a stop in California, right? Because she went, yeah, she went she, over and then up. Yes. And you can see the path that she took from all the gas and food stops. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't show any other hotel like, stops. So everyone's like, she had some sort of plan or something. Cause she was beelining it across the country. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she was like in the zone. And she's like, if I don't get there as fast as I can. Or if I don't get there now, I'm going to lose my nerve. Oh. Go, driving across a country by yourself and going out into the woods by yourself, that's ballsy. Driving across the country by yourself. Ballsy. Ballsy. Especially when you've had a really bad car accident where you've broken your femur, you've had a punctured lung. Right. Bitch, you are, like, not afraid. No. Clearly. Clearly she's not afraid. I mean... She went all the way to Washington State by her damn self. I can barely go to the grocery store by myself. I'm so paranoid. Like, literally, if I think about, like, driving from, like, my mom's house, like, to my house, I'm like, what if my fucking tire just falls right on off? Right. I don't know what to do. I don't even know if I have a jack in my car. Right. I don't even know how to use it anyways. My dad made sure I knew how to do all that. Yeah, and my AAA card's expired, so... No. Hurrah. <laughs> I have a husband, so I don't have to worry that about that too much. And that's the one downside of not having a husband or a boyfriend is... Who do I call? Ghostbusters. Right. It's that's pretty much her story. Like, she's never been found. There's really no evidence, and I guess we're still waiting on Canada. I don't really know. I could not find anywhere where it gave the results of that DNA. I don't know if maybe police have the results. They're just not sharing it because they need it for the investigation. Yeah, or it doesn't match, so it's not necessarily, like, important to say, especially if we don't know this guy's name. Right, Barry. A.K.A. Barry, bitch. I mean, it was stated that the case did go cold, so... (sighs) It's annoying. Right. Isn't there, like, a team of, like, really good cold case lawyers somewhere? What are their names? I don't know. Um, again, this is, uh, where am I the podcast? This was episode five, question mark, five. I don't yeah. know. Gotta be, gotta be episode five. We have our email at where am I the podcast at gmail.com. Check us on Twitter. Twitter at, it's at where underscore podcast. Facebook, Facebook page, where am I the podcast and Insta, where am I the podcast. So if you have any Questions, corrections, comments. I'd um, prefer if you have corrections to email us directly so that we'll get that. Yeah. Like sooner and we can read it. Yeah. Not that we're like, you know, hoarded by comments or anything like that, but we'll definitely be able to respond to that faster and then address that in the next episode. Or even on any of our platforms, I will make sure it is updated. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I I think what I run the email basically we have the we have the the logins for everything yeah but I have the email and Twitter on my phone and I have the Insta and the Facebook I think so basically we're just conquering the world one social media platform at a time pretty much um, if you have any um, missing persons cases that you want us to cover um, whether it be fresh or um there's no coverage on it or it's something that's been bothering you yeah it's your pet peeve yeah it's the case that you've been trying to follow and solve um let us know and we'll, we'll cover it 
Um, we'll, we'll try to, depending on, you know, like yeah. we said, we're not exactly getting hordes of emails. Yeah. But but if you have a, a detailed story, maybe a picture, um, whatever facts or links you have to websites. And if you want, you can let us know if you want us to, like, shout out you. I'm not gonna, We're not going to say your last name. We might say your first name and, yeah. and whatever, but if you want. Yeah. Totally don't have to. No. I am a paranoid person, so. If anyone gets it, we do. Right. We'll say just, you know, the last initial in your first name. Right. We'll call you H. You don't even have to. I mean, if you don't want us to tell you or tell everyone who you are, your name or anything, I will make sure to tell the, you know, our fans, our listeners that this was a viewer sent a in. Viewer sent in a case. viewer, a listener. A listener. Viewers are for TVs and right. for video podcasts. I don't know that why I felt have. like PBS just then. From viewers like you. Exactly. That's what, you know what? I watched the Great British Baking Show and it starts off with like a PBS thing. <gasps> I miss that. I know. I'm like, From listeners like you. Mm-hmm. You're damn straight. Um, all right, guys. All right. We'll see you next week. Actually, we'll see you in just a few minutes because we are doing a special and recording a double right now. But Oh, yeah. Vacays. You, you'll only listen to it if you uh, binge, I guess, at the same time. So binge, we'll, binge, binge, yeah, binge. We'll, Podcasts are the only things that are good to binge. I disagree. Why? I feel like anything is good to binge if you if you pick the right thing. That's exactly right. If you pick the right thing. I was wondering <laughs> it, where you were going with that. It could that. be TV. It could be movies. It could be books, music, I do. Bi- I do binge books, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like um, food. Is not a good thing to binge. No, it's not a good thing to binge. But in the sense of like, I ate pokey works like four times this week. Am I, I mean, yeah, but it? it's no. different than I binged four poke bowls in one oh, sitting. Oh, for sure. But maybe like, I'll just say restaurants then, places to go eat. Okay, I will. I will binge get it. on board with the restaurant yes. binge because I totally do that. Binge in terms of uh, having it at multiple times in one week. Yes, like we just. We're probably gonna cut all of this out. All of it. All of it. But it sounds good though. Maybe we should keep it. We should keep it just for funsies. We'll probably get this part out there. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. We're keeping this, too, including the pauses. All right. Well, I'm going to keep in all your sneezes. and <laughs> Yes. Keep in my sneezes and my coughs and my drink slurps. And uh, we're going to go find out um, on Car Wires and get some coffee and smoke a cigarette. All right. I don't condone smoking. We're going to take all the smoking references out of here. I don't condone smoking in any way. But I don't sh- do it, so I'm gonna I go clearly smoke. don't. <laughs> All right. I'm out, y'all. All right. Bye. We'll see you in a few minutes.